Welcome to the Chick Monks Podcast, where we explore the spiritual path of contemplative Christianity with a female voice and perspective. Hello, Chick Monks. This is your host, Heather Lawrence, with a reading and a homily from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 4. Then Jesus, armed with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and reports about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in the synagogues, and everyone sang his praises. So he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as he regularly did. He stood up to read the lesson and was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the scroll and found the passage which says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. He has sent me to announce good news to the poor, to proclaim release for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to let the broken victims go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And all eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began to speak. Today, he said, in your very hearing, this text has come true. There was a general stir of admiration. They were surprised that words of such grace could fall from his lips. Is this not Joseph's son? they asked. And then Jesus said, No doubt you will quote the proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, and say, We have heard of all your doings at Capernaum. Do the same here in your hometown. And I tell you this, he went on, No prophet is recognized in his own country. There were many widows in Israel, you may be sure, in Elijah's time, when for three years and six months the skies never opened and famine lay hard over the whole country. Yet... It was to none of those widows that Elijah was sent, but to a widow at Sarepta in the territory of Sidon. Again, in the time of the prophet Elisha, there were many lepers in Israel, and not one of them was healed, but only Naaman the Syrian. At these words, the whole congregation was infuriated. They leapt up, threw him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which it was built, meaning to hurl him over the edge. But he walked straight through them all and went away. Luke chapter 4 shows us the Jesus who wrestles with his identity, which I believe is great news for all of us, as we humans are prone to a life of regularly forgetting who we are and why we're here. Before he began his years of public ministry, Jesus was baptized and then led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days of isolation and temptation. And after he faces his own shadowy desires alone in the desert, after he's tempted over and over again to make his identity personal, wrestling with the phrase, if you really are the Son of God, for days on end, and after choosing instead the experience of hunger and longing 
and all of the real raw limitations of being a human, he emerges armed with the power of the Holy Spirit, as Luke says. And then he makes, to me, a weird move. He heads back to his hometown. Jesus, with his new identity, having shed layers in the desert, and with the boldness that comes with the presence of God's Spirit with him, he goes back to where he grew up. He starts to teach in the synagogue, and surprisingly enough, the Prince of Peace gets into an altercation. Something along the lines of, remember when we used to change his diapers? When did he learn to teach with so much authority? This version of Jesus is very relatable to me. When he looks at them and says, no prophet is recognized in their own country. And then to prove his point, he tells them stories from their own tradition, stories that he'd learned from them. So naturally, his community drives him out of their town with every intention of killing him right then and there. The Holy Spirit seems to have led Jesus right to the middle of a paradox. He's followed the traditions of his people and his home all the way to the heart of God, where he discovered that the love of God was the point all along. Society was always going to resist Jesus' teaching because his prophetic teaching was that there is more to you than what society tells you. I'm going to say that again. Society was always going to resist Jesus' teaching because what he taught is that there is more to you than what society tells you. That includes religious tradition. The traditions of his hometown were in line with the ruling religious society, and they were intended to bring life to God's children. But when Jesus offered them a glimpse of the eternal life that they were headed towards, his people clung to their traditions instead. They felt threatened. In the blink of an eye, Jesus went from that sweet boy from down the street to a threat to life as they knew it. And all he did to earn this was to show them where they fit into their own stories. We give a lot of emphasis to Jesus' rejection at the end of his life. Abandoned by his closest friends and publicly executed is sort of the epitome of rejection, if you ask me. But I don't hear a lot of conversation about the rejection Jesus experienced at every turn of his years in ministry. Sure, crowds followed him and wanted to see him perform. But at the same time, people hated him. He was rejected because he knew the truth and he couldn't keep it to himself. He wouldn't keep it to himself. He saw the people around him, the people whom he grew up with, the people trapped in the systems that they couldn't even see. And when he tried to show them, they didn't want to see it. Remember the first time that you spent a few days in a different culture? Remember how much of your own preferences and assumptions you could see for the first time? Some of us live lives constantly faced with an awareness of how our culture differs from the majority culture around us. But for some of us, it takes a little more intentionality. 
because it's hard to see the systems and stories we've bought into until we set them aside or lose them. Losing them can come in lots of different ways. Traveling is a more adventurous, elective route to take, I would say. But what about the times when the stories come crumbling down around us? What about heartbreak? What about when someone who grew up in the same environment we did finds a different path and tells us there's a lot more out there? Jesus basically went back to his hometown and said, look, I know you can't hear me say this without wanting to kill me, but just in case there's one person here who's more curious than afraid, I have to tell you, what you think you're seeking is already available to you, and none of it is based on getting it right. And they hated him for it. They hated him because they loved their practices, their tradition, their rightness all of the things that made them who they were. They hated him because they loved their own identity. And from the looks of things to them, Jesus had discarded his. Later in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and his parables, it would become clear that Jesus' teachings were even more personal and even harder to swallow. But here at the beginning, he braced himself for opposition maybe even stirring it up, knowing I have surrendered completely to my experience of being human in all its pain, in all its limitations, and I have found that it's there that the power of God fills me. He knew that the power of God is love. He knew that the power of God is life itself, that the Holy Spirit that compelled him into the wilderness was the path of true life in all its suffering and beauty. That this is what it meant to be human. But the people in this synagogue were not interested in what it means to be human. Instead, they were trapped by their clinging to what it means to be me. Me as I know it as a part of these systems that humans had built to make sense out of life, to know who they are in an earthly perspective, ignoring who they are to God. When we're focused on what it means to be me, there is a lot more to get right. Perfectionism is rampant here. And when we're trying so hard to get it right, ironically, we tend to lose ourselves in the process. The invitation of Jesus is to just be a human. Just be. And this requires a lot of faith. It requires a lot of faith to let those stories and systems fall away. It is not easy. It's in the very nature of systems to stay the same because we build them for stability, for longevity, to keep things structured. But the very nature of life is to grow out of it, to move on. Unless we move on, we never find ourselves outside of the system. We never find ourselves in the greater whole, 
what's even bigger happening outside of these small ways of making sense out of life. This, friends, this is laying down our identities. All of the things that we think make me, me. They have to die before I can know the presence and love and power of God in this individual experience I call me. Now listen, people aren't always going to like it, especially the ones who were very invested in keeping things the way they've always been. And maybe that means your hometown. Maybe that means your family. Maybe that means the religion you grew up with and you get branded as a heretic. Trust that when you see through the holes in the trappings of the system, you are on the path to freedom. And as you follow Jesus into a truer, realer life, remember his promise. Remember this. You are never, ever, ever alone. Because love is who you are. Amen.